book of Genesis, chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. We're going to talk this morning. We're going to speak here this morning about four altars of decision. Four altars of decision. And we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 12. And uh, we come here to... This man, Abraham, the first, real, really the first of the fathers of the faith, the first of the patriarchs that, uh, that we see in, in scripture. And, uh, the Bible here at this point really takes a shift. We have, it's, it's, it's interesting as we see, you, we have, um, thousands of years or, or hundreds of years, uh, 1500, uh, years that are covered uh, all the way up to the first several chapters of the Bible, first 11 chapters of the Bible, then all of a sudden we get to Abraham and everything pauses and stops and it slows down right here in Genesis chapter 12. And so we're going to start looking into this life of Abraham here this morning and we see the call of God upon his life here in Genesis chapter 12 verse number 1. It says that the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee, I will curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed." Amen. I believe that uh, it is it is a, a a precious thing to have the blessing of God on your life. Amen. That when you hear and you feel that call of God and you respond to that call of God in your life, that there is a special blessing that will rest upon you. And we see that specifically here with Abraham. That um, or, or Abram, as it's speaking of here, his name will be changed to Abraham. At, uh, as he follows this call of God on his life. But we see Abram being called of God. And as he responds to this call, there is a, uh, there is a, a special blessing that God will have on his life. Now we continue here. I just want to read two more verses. Uh, verse number four, we see Abram responding to the call. It says, uh, Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot, this would be his his nephew, Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan and into the land of Canaan they came. We see this this man that God is calling and he was he was a man we don't don't necessarily know all of his his family background but it it seems as though that uh his his father was not a uh was was not a a god-fearing man that his family for all that we can can see appears to be a a family that uh was just like many other families many other individuals of that day that they served a multiplicity of gods but there was something that got a hold of abraham there was something some kind of an encounter that he had 
that God began to speak to him and that's this advanced age of 75 years old, God begins to call him out. He says, I don't want you living there where your family has grown up. I want you to leave the place where, where your forefathers have, uh, have, have, have uh, obviously done well. He, he, was, he was a wealthy man. Abram was a wealthy man. But God was calling him out. He says, I, I have something different for you. I want to call you to a, a, a land that is, is going to be an inheritance for you, for your people, but not just for you and your people, but now you will be my people. God is calling him and saying, you will be my people. You will be my great nation that I will raise up. I will make of you a great name. I will put on you a great blessing. And anyone who blesses you will be blessed. Anyone who curses you will be cursed. I will be for you. And I will be for those who are for you. And I will be against those who are against you. And and God is, is calling Abraham out. Now, is anybody here thankful for the call that God has placed on your life? That's, that at some point in your life... You had an encounter with God, and maybe it was it was uh, something that you were raised on a church pew. But at some point, you made a decision, and maybe it was for you. You weren't raised on a church pew, but you came to a, a point in your life where you encountered God in a very special way, and he's and, and he became real to you, and you made the choice to follow him. Amen. I re- I remember uh, just. just for myself, I would fall into that former category of being raised on a church pew, but, but I had to make a decision at some point in my life because, uh, because I have many other friends, many other, uh, others who I grew up with that they didn't make that same decision that I made that says, I am in this. God, I, I may have been raised in, in, in church, but, uh, but Lord, for me, I'm making this decision that I will follow you. I'm sticking with this. And you have to make a decision at some point in your life that says, God, I will follow the call. Lord, I'm thankful for the call of God in my life. And see, God, he did not call you to remain where you were. God didn't call you to remain where you were. He, he, he puts a call well, on your life and God, he will call you out. We see that with Abram here. That Abram was in this land of Haran, but God says, I don't want you to remain in Haran. When there was somebody, uh, there, there's, there's, there's some in here today that, that God has called you, but you haven't left the place where God has called you out of. And you can remain in that very place where God is calling you, but when he calls you, he's saying, I don't want to leave you in the, pla- in the, the place of brokenness. I don't want to leave you in the place where all of your, uh, your forefathers, all those that have gone on before you, I don't want to leave you in that. I don't want to leave you in that mess, but I want to call you to something where I can bless you. And I'm going to give you something great. See, God, he called you to come out and to begin this journey where he can lead the way. There's another, uh, and I don't, I don't have this, this in here, but it makes me think of, uh, I don't have the scriptures here, but it, it makes me think of the, the calling that God had placed on a young child, a young man named Samuel. And Samuel, when he was just a young child, he was, he was raised in the, in the house of God. He was raised in the temple. 
given back to um, given back to God by his his mother Hannah, and raised by Eli the priest. And as he was as he was being raised in the temple, we had Eli who was there. You had also um, uh, the two sons of Eli who were who were raised in that same place. But God God began to call one night. The voice of God began to call out. And Samuel heard that voice. Samuel heard the voice of God. He heard the call of God and he responded to the call. And there was a, a, a journey, there was a process uh, that, that Samuel had to go through as he was responding to the call. Anytime that you hear that call of God, maybe it was a moment in prayer, maybe it was a moment in your life when you were going through something tough, but you responded to it and you said, God, as for me, it doesn't matter what tough thing comes my way. It doesn't matter what, um, what trials come my way. I am making the choice on this journey of life to follow you. See, for Abraham, he had to make this choice and he physically had to get up out of his place and he left his place as 75 years old and he followed the call of God on his life. There was a true, uh, a pivotal moment in his life where he began to follow after the call of God. And now, here's the thing about following after the call of God is, is it's not just a one-time decision. I'm thankful for the new birth. Amen. I'm thankful for that decision that I made at seven years old that that I was baptized in the name of Jesus a week later being filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm thankful for that. But that was just a starting point. For me, that was just a starting point. At whatever age that was for you, or whatever time that was for you in your life, when you experienced that new birth and that new start, that was just the starting point. There was a decision that was made by you at some point that I will follow Christ. I will follow Him. But, but that's just the first decision that, that was made. That was just the first time that you had an encounter with God or that, um, that, that time with God where you made that decision to follow Him. But life journey, life's journeys require decisions to be made throughout the journey. I just want to talk about some of these decisions that we make, some of these altars, uh, four different altars that we see through the life of Abraham. And these are four altars that we also encounter along our life journey and our and our walk with God. In Genesis chapter 12 as we continue in this this story we see that Abram soon after leaving this place of Haran going into the land of Canaan this place where God had called him this place where God had said wherever your feet step I will give you that land. I will give that to you I'll give that to your seed I'll give that to your uh to you for an inheritance and you will be a great nation and we continue here in verse number six it says that abram passed through the land under the place of shechem it says spelled uh sikkim here on almost every other place in, in scripture this uh the same city the same location is, is shechem it's it's he comes to the place of shechem to the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram, and he said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, 
who appeared unto him. Shechem. This is the first altar that we see Abraham build. Shechem means back or shoulder. But this word also is signifying masculinity. It's signifying strength. It is, it is this, uh, this, this word that is symbolic of one who is strong, one who can shoulder the weight of something. And it says that it was in the, in the place of Shechem, in the plain of Mora. Mora is, uh, in, in Hebrew means teacher. This is in the plain of Mora. This, there was something that was being taught in this place. There was something that was being taught when Abram built this altar. And the first altar that we see Abram build is in this place of strength. So Abraham worshiped God in the place of strength. We see him coming to, to God in this, this place of strength. And, and I, I, the first decision that that we have to make that's one of the decisions that we make in our in our life's journey is what are you going to do with your place of strength what are you going to do with the things that that you have strength areas in your life where you have strength things that it is your will you can see in your will see god when we begin to follow him he doesn't take away our will from us he doesn't take away our strongholds. He doesn't take away the strength, the different things where, where you know, some of us have a pretty strong will. You don't want to change some things in your life because it, for, for me, this is, a, this is a place of strength. This is something that, that me, I feel like I can do this. I can, I can do this on my own. I'm strong in this area. But God says, I want you to submit everything to me. I know that, that you may feel capable in, in some areas to go on your own, but God's saying, will you submit it all to me? There's a, there's some things that in our strength, we feel like I can shoulder the load. I can do this on my own, but God says, come build an altar and, and give everything, not just your weaknesses to me. It's easy to give your weakness to God. It's easy to lean on him and say, God, I can't do this. And you come to him and you get down on your knees. You begin to pray and say, Lord, in my weakness, I need your strength. But what about in my strength? In my strength, God, I'm going to submit my strength to you and, and allow you to uh, allow allow those things where I'm strong for you to still uh, to, to have control over those things in my life. See, Abraham... He came in this place of strength, and and there are certain things. See, see when we uh, that we do have strengths, and I believe that God wants to use our strengths. It's not to not to say, Lord, here's my strength, and and God's going to wipe it out, and say, um, you know, say, well, you know, this uh, this ability, this talent that I've given you, you're never no longer going to be able to use that. But God is saying, would you give me the things that I have given you strength in? Would you give me the talents? Would you give me the, the, uh, the, the ways that I have made you strong? Would you hand them to me and submit them to me? Would you submit those areas of your life over to me? We see in Matthew this, this parable that, that Jesus tells about these talents and about these strengths, these things. And, and I'll just summarize the parable as Jesus tells it. He's, he's, 
he has this master who goes away, but before he leaves, he gives his servants, three servants of his, some talents. And he gives them, uh, gives one ten talents, gives another five talents, and one one talent. When he comes back from his journeys, he, he comes to assess, what did you do with the talents? What did you do with the things that I gave you? And, and this being talents, this is talking about money, but we can, I'm, I'm just going to bring it right over to our talents, the things that we are we are good at the things that um, in our in our life we we see we're kind of bent in that way. Maybe you're musical. Maybe you are a good teacher. Maybe you are a good public speaker. Maybe you are good at at uh, just just working and 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 coming into uh, a place and, and making it look clean. Maybe you're good and talented at making somebody feel welcome. What is your talent? What, is, what are the things that God has given you? In what ways has God bent you and made you? What are, what are your strengths? See, God has given you these things, but he, when he wants to know, what are you going to do with the things that I've given you? What are you going to do with the talents? What are you going to do with the strengths that I have given you? And when he comes back to these servants, when the master comes back to the servants, he comes to the one who he had given twelve or given 10, and, and he says, well, I used them, and they increased. I, I, I went, and I, and, I, and I leaned into them, and they increased. The, the one with five, he says, I did the same. I used these talents, and, and they multiplied. And the one with only one talent, even though you would say, well, it's just one thing that I have. And he says, well, I went, and I didn't do anything with it. And he says, you wicked and slothful servant. Why didn't you do anything with the strength? Why didn't you do anything? Why didn't you invest just the one thing? And maybe you feel like, well, all I have to offer is one little bit of strength. One little talent. One little thing. That's all I have that I could maybe invest in the kingdom of God. But God says, give it to me. Would you place this place of strength? Would you, would you uh, place this, this area of strength in your life on an altar and say, God, whatever it is, it may just be a little, a little bit of something that I have to offer, but it's yours. And it doesn't matter. You, you could look at somebody who is, who is uh, much more talented than you, you feel, but, uh, but God isn't, he's not assessing this by, uh, you know, the abilities of somebody. He's just looking at you and whatever you have to offer. And he says, in your place of strength, will you submit it to me? Will you come and build an altar in this journey of life, in our, in our walk with God, and build an altar of strength? Will you pledge, will you pledge your strength and your purpose to God? It's in Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter 12, verse 30, this is repeating a commandment that we see in, um, in the book of Deuteronomy. It says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. That you should love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. You're all of your ability, all of your force, all of your might, everything, every little thing, every little area that you have in your life, would you give it to God? Would you love God with the, whatever strength it is in your, that you have in your life? This altar of strength is something where we learn to be dependent on God because we can't carry ourselves. 
The truth is, we find out at some point in our life that our strength is not really as strong as we think it is. That when we give our strengths and these things over to God, God can multiply them. God can give abundantly above anything that you could ask or think in, in, you know, in your imagination. God can take the, what little things that you have and he can, he can grow it and multiply it and use it in, in, in certain ways that, that you never thought would be possible. But it's going to take you building an altar and giving it to God. Not just your weaknesses, but your strengths. The next Next uh, altar that we see, we can just continue there in Genesis chapter 12. It says that he removed from thence to a mountain on the east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and he called upon the name of the Lord. We see Bethel means house of God and Hai, which is... It says that he pitched or he, he, he created this altar, uh, built this altar in between Bethel, the house of God, and Hai, meaning a heap of ruins. Quite a contrast there. Quite a contrast between the house of God and a heap of ruins. The reality is, no matter where you're at in your life, whether you are in the house of God or you feel as if your life is in a heap of ruins, God is calling you to build an altar. And sometimes in your journey of life, you come and you can spend time right here in the presence of God. But, or in, and in other times in your life, you feel as though you're walking through a heap of ruins. But God says, will you still build me an altar? And if you build me an altar, my presence will come. It says he called upon the name of the Lord between Bethel and Hai, between the house of God and the place of ruins. And he he built an altar there. And when he called on the name of the Lord, God's presence came down and God was there. God met him in this place. See, the second decision that we have is this is, is to build this altar of worship. It's a decision to worship God. A decision to worship him. It says in Isaiah 58 verse 2. Isaiah 58 verse 2. And let me, let me get there in my Bible. It says, yet they seek me daily. And they delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me. The ordinances of justice, they delight in approaching to God. They delight in approaching to God. They, they seek me daily. Well, God, God, he, he joys with, when his, his, his people, he is joyful when his people seek him daily. This is, this is the, 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 the proper way when we, that, that we should, uh, follow after and seek after God is in a daily manner. Not just on a Sunday, not just on a midweek Bible study, but they seek me daily. How often will you enter into God's presence? Will you seek God's presence daily? In your journey through life, in your journey, in your walk with God, will it be something that it's only when you're in the house of God? Or will it be when you're also 
walking through the ruins of life? When there's a heap of ruins, will you build and will you still build an altar when you're between the house of God and the place of ruins? Will you still make a decision to worship God? No matter where you're at, will you seek Him daily? Come on, this is a permanent altar that, that, uh, uh, that Abraham is building here. This is, this is something that he is building permanently in this place where he says, God, I'm making a decision that I will worship you right here where I feel your presence or, or, and I can encounter your presence right in between the house of God and the heap of ruins. How often will you enter into God's presence? When, when was the last time? When was the last time that it wasn't it wasn't here at, at an altar. It wasn't in a worship service. Maybe it was driving in your car on your way to work. Maybe it was in your bathroom, in the bathroom at your work and you're sitting there. You're having a tough day and you just call on the name of God. You say, I've got to take a break. Let me pause. Let me take a moment. And let me just call on God. And God can meet you right there. Maybe it's at your desk at work and you just pause You close your eyes and you say, God, I need you right here in this place of of confusion. I need you in this place of of craziness of what's going on in my life. And you call on the name of the Lord. And I can promise you that God will show up. That God can show up. It doesn't have to be here in the house of God. But God can show up right in the midst of your craziness. God can show up right in the midst of of your family situations. Whatever's going on at home. God can show up. He says, they seek me daily. And here's the thing. We see that Abraham, he returned to this altar. In Genesis chapter 13, it says that Abraham, again, passing through this place, he returned to this altar. It says he went on his journeys from south, even to Bethel, into the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Between Bethel and Hai. Under the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there, Abram called on the name of the Lord. Well, this is something that, it's not going to be a one-time altar. It's not going to be a one-time thing. It's, this is going to be just one moment, uh, uh, one temporary thing that you're going to uh, just have to worship God in, in, the, in the midst of craziness. But God's saying, build a permanent altar right there that you make up in your mind. I will follow him no matter what. I will follow after God no matter what is going on in my life. Lord, I will follow you. And you will survive I believe you will survive every season of drought. You will survive every famine if you can make this altar in your life something that's permanent. A decision in your life that says, I will worship you no matter what. I believe you you will walk through famines. You will walk through droughts in your life. But if you make up in your mind, God, I will worship you no matter what, then there are times in your life when you feel as though you have nothing to give but you begin to worship him and you begin to give him praise and glory and all of a sudden you begin to be filled up again well it's and there's no there's no explanation for it but you can walk into his presence in the midst of feeling empty and dry and then you can walk out feeling full come on There's something about worship. And I know it's not about me getting it. It's not about me being filled up. It is truly about just worshiping God. But when you do it, when you begin to worship Him, you begin to be refreshed. 
I, I feel so refreshed any time that I just begin to worship God. And there's times in my life where I felt so dry, I felt so empty, and I've just lifted up my hand and said, God, I love you. God, I thank you. And come on, sometimes it takes a force, you know, you gotta force it out because you're like, I don't know what I'm really thankful for right now. But you begin to talk to Him and you, you can think back on, t- on things. And it, if, even if it's just, Lord, I'm thankful that you died on a cross for me. God, I'm thankful that you gave your life for me. Lord, I'm thankful. Come on, you begin to, be, to just worship him in the midst and between the house of God and the heap of ruins. And to worship, that decision to worship will be something that is lasting. I, I, I love the fact that it's right here in, in this place, in this altar that we see. It didn't just affect Abraham. But when Abraham made this decision for him... The, he, he would make this a permanent altar. He would build this as something that he could return to. But then also his descendants visited this altar. His descendants. This, this, this affected not just him, but, but his, his children, his grandchildren. They met God at the same place. We see in, in Genesis chapter 28, his, uh, Abraham's grandson that comes to this, this same place. It says that Jacob, he rose up early in the morning. He took the stone that he had put for his, pil- uh, his pillows. He set it up for a pillar and he pull- poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. The name of that place, the city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. We see now this, uh, this uh, likely not the same exact location, but this is, this is still the same altar that is being built by the grandson of Abraham. The same altar that's being built in this place where he says, right here in the house of God, right here in this place, right now, and, and, and Jacob, Jacob uh, here is, is going through just craziness in his life. His life is, is a heap of ruins at this moment. But he comes and he says, God, I met you right here in this heap of ruins. And I recognize that your presence is still here. That I can make this the house of God. Lord, I will make up in my mind to worship you no matter what. And here's the thing. Here's the thing about, about these, these men of God, these patriarchs that we see, Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, these men of, of the Old Testament, that God was literally taking them on a journey. You know, in our life, we've, many of us, we've, we've kind of settled in a place and we, we live here for um, some for your whole life. You, you make a, a permanent residence, but for these men... They didn't have a permanent residence. They, was, they were literally on a journey as God was, was taking them throughout this place of Canaan and, and having them walk in these, and, and they were setting up these temporary tents. They would, they would walk and they had these temporary tents that wherever they would walk, they would, they would go there and then God said, pack up the tent, pack up everything and, and go and move on, go to another place. Uh, then they would do that. They would listen to the voice of God. But, but as they got to these places, these certain places in their journey, they would make these altars. 
These altars that would stand. These altars that were permanent altars. See, Abraham, he placed more value on the altar than he did his own comfort. He placed more value on the altar. He made some permanent, some things permanent in his life. And it was the altars that he made permanent. It wasn't his comfort. It wasn't the, you know, whatever it is in my life that, that makes me feel good or makes me feel safe. But he says, Lord, I will follow you in the things. My comfort is temporary, but Lord, I want my altars to be permanent. See, some, often we get that backwards. We want temporary altars and permanent Comfort. But for him, he says, I want, uh, for, for Abraham, for, for uh, Jacob, for Isaac, we see them. They, they would live and they would, they would move and their comfort was secondary to the fact that I will build a permanent altar. And we need to get, we need to learn something from them about building permanent altars because then it doesn't just affect us, but it affects our children our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. And we see the descendants of Abraham visiting the same place and deciding, God, I will worship you no matter what. In my place of discomfort, Lord, I will worship you. The next altar that we see is in Genesis chapter 13, this next altar of, of Abraham. Genesis chapter 13, verse number 18, says that Abram removed his tent And he came and he dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron. And he built there an altar unto the Lord. When you look at that word Hebron, it says he he, he built this altar in this place of Hebron, which means association. Association or, or, or coming into relationship with somebody else. It's an alliance. That you're coming into. And, and well, I, I think there's nobody better that you could come into an alliance with than God. Right? I would hope that, that we today could come in alliance with God, that we could link arms with God, that we would make an altar in a place where we says, Lord, this isn't about religion, but this is about relationship. God, it's not, I'm not building an altar because you told me to, but I'm building an altar because I want to build relationship. Right? Now that I've, now that I've given you my strength, now that I have worshiped you no matter what is what is happening in my life lord i need relationship with you this isn't about a a god who is distant from me but lord this is about a god who i have near and close to me hebron is this association to your decision to come and to write relationship with god question is are you willing to cut off relationships that are getting in the way of your relationship with God. There are relationships that you have that are getting in your way with God. Many of those relationships are not people relationships. But it's a relationship with that television show that you've been watching. Or that, that radio station you've been listening to. or Right? That that newscast that is is just feeding junk and and, and fear into your life. 
at Hollywood's agenda that is 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 pouring sinfulness and 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 just junk into your life, and it's a relationship that you have with entertainment that is overtaking this relationship that we need to have with God, and and God is calling us. Come on, would you? Oh, who do you love more? It's like the question that He asked Peter. Before or after Jesus had resurrected and he, he met Peter again and he says, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Do you truly love me? Will you give up your relationships? Will you give up the things that are holding you back from, from, you, from a true uh, relationship, that, from the true relationship that I want to have with you? See, it was at Hebron, it was at this place that Sarah had Isaac, that this long-awaited promise that they had been waiting for, that, that God had promised Abraham, you will have a son. I will make of you a great nation. We have him at a very advanced age, this promise that seemed impossible, but God made it possible in Hebron. It was in Hebron that, that Sarah has, has this long-awaited promise that was fulfilled. And it was right at this moment of relationship in this place where they said, it's no longer about just following you, following your orders, but God, I need relationship. Come on, could you build an altar? And when you do build an altar in a place where you develop relationship with God, it's in that place that we begin to see some of these long-awaited promises begin to be fulfilled in your life. I'm going to get to this last altar before we, before we come to a close here, here this morning. It's this altar of testing. This is, had to have been the most difficult altar that was ever constructed by Abraham. I would perhaps say this is the most difficult altar that was ever built by anybody. It's this altar of testing. It's in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, we see that God is calling Abraham to go to this place of Moriah. In fact, let's just go there. Verse number 2 says, he says, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Moriah means chosen by Jehovah land of this place of Moriah, this, this place that God has chosen. There's certain things that we don't understand, but God chose it. And we need to trust God. There's, there's some, some things where you are walking into them and you say, God, why am I going through this right now? We've already talked about how we continue to worship God in the middle of, of the heap of ruins in the house of God. And we, 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 we still worship Him through all of this. But there's still some things that we're, we, we struggle with. And we say, God, why would I have to go through this? And He says, it's not for you to understand, but I chose this. I chose this. And Abraham is, is here and he finally has the promise, the long-awaited promise, the son and God says, will you give me the very thing that you hold dearest? Will you give it to me? I'm testing you, Abraham. I'm testing you. How much do you love me in this journey, in this walk that you have with God? And there's there's going to come times in your life, in your journey, in your walk with God, where God will ask you to give up things. God will call you to, to, uh, to do things that you are not comfortable doing. 
But it's an altar of testing. Sometimes, at least here for Abraham, he, he, God was just testing him. How much do you love me? It was a decision that Abraham had to make. Will I trust God? Will I trust him? And we see him. He did. He took his son. He took the thing that he, he held as the most valuable thing in his life. And he laid it upon an altar. He says, God, it's yours. Let's, let's just finish up here with, with these two scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. It says, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of the liberality. It was in a great trial of affliction. In their great trial of affliction, they still had an abundance of joy. They still had an abundance of joy. It was in their deep poverty that they still had great riches. How can you have an abundance of joy in the midst of affliction, in the midst of a great trial? How can you have an abundance of riches in the midst of deep poverty? Because even in the test, even in the great trial, even in the time of poverty, we uh, can, can understand that it's a test that we're going through when God and still bless us in the test. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The altar of testing is this altar that you will encounter in your journey, in your walk with God, where you have to make a decision once again, not a decision, God, will I follow you? Will I begin following you? But now in this place of testing, God, how much am I willing to give up to continue following after your voice, following after the call that you have placed on my life? Amen. And these four altars that we have talked about here this morning, would you uh, perhaps, I don't, I, don't, I don't know where you're at in, in your journey and your walk with God, but perhaps you're, you're standing in one of these. Maybe it's this place of strength and God's saying, Will you trust me? Will you trust me enough to give me the things that not, are all, not only are a weakness for you, but you're strong in them? Will you give them to me? Maybe for you, it's this place where he's just calling you to worship. Well, we're going to worship again here in just a, just a moment, but God's calling you to worship. And you look around and you say, God, Here I am standing in the house of God, but my life feels like a heap of ruins, and I've been going through it this week. Come on, will you worship Him? Will you build an altar? Will you make a decision in your life? Lord, I will worship you. Maybe maybe for you, it's in this place. Come on, where, where God is just calling you and saying, it's been a while since we've truly had a talk. It's been a while. It's, it feels like it's just been about religion for quite a while. But come on, let's make this about relationship. God's calling you in a relationship today. Maybe you're going through a test. But will you build the altar? And said, Lord, whatever you ask, God, whatever it is, God, I made a decision a long time ago that I will follow you no matter what. So no matter what you ask, God, I'll give it to you. Amen. Can we just stand in this place? Just lift up our hands. We have those who are coming back in from all of our classes today. Amen. But everybody, if we could just stand, lift up our hands in Jesus' name.
Lord, we love you today. And I pray that in the midst of our, our journey, and our walk with you, God, that there, God, there, there are times in our life where, where we can, we can look back at the decision that we made a long time ago to follow you. And sometimes we begin to waver, but Lord, it's in those moments of wavering. It's in those moments, Lord, that, that we have to make a decision. Will I build an altar here? God, will I give you my strength? God, will I worship you? Can we, Lord, can we begin to uh, to develop a relationship? Lord, I pray right now in this place, Lord, that this would be more than just religion. But, Lord, this would be relationship here right now. Lord, that you would meet us here in this time of worship. Lord, meet us here right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, Lord, anoint Lift up your hands and place. Yes, Lord. Me.